Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the special edition of Weather Geeks podcast. Uh, we're doing this uh, with the note that Dorian, Hurricane Dorian, will be closing in on the southeast United States coast in the next few days. And I'm here, thankfully, with uh, meteorologist Sarah Dillingham. And yeah. we're going to be talking about um, some of the things that we all need to know and look uh, forward to as the forecast we know is going to change going forward. Right, right. It's already changed a lot. I mean, think about, you know, I remember I walked in here Monday morning and, you know, you were on the phone with uh, Dr. Zakowski, one of our executive producers, and, you know, just trying to figure out what this storm is doing. You know, it's kind of like the little engine that could, looking mm-hmm. at investment. 99L over the weekend, and then in one day we went from tropical depression, tropical storm, and they're like, okay, well, here we go. I remember covering uh, Dorian at its very early stages over the tropical Atlantic and thinking to myself, this thing is going to have a hard time getting going because it just didn't look very healthy. It had an environment around it that uh, was really unsuited for mm-hmm. rapid development. And when we saw the official forecast intensified very quickly approaching the Leeward Islands, I thought to myself, that doesn't seem like to be in the li- most likely scenario. I think it's going to have a harder time initially. Mm-hmm. And it did, um, but it eventually found its legs. And now yeah. we're dealing with a very different beast. Yeah, we definitely, I feel like covering it on the air, you know, I also weather produce for Weather Underground in addition to Weather Geek. So it was like watching this storm kind of evolve Monday night, Tuesday night, and then coming out of Puerto Rico. And then all of a sudden last night, we have an eyewall that mm-hmm. shows up on radar and this thing all of a sudden is kind of wobbly and disheveled and all of a sudden it's like mm, lockstep here we go and then after that point we started to see it intensified even actually technically underwent a rapid intensification cycle yesterday so I heard even in its you know, <laughs> know. weak stages but while it's somewhat rare for the weaker storms you know it can happen it can happen and actually some pretty significant weather did impact the US Virgin Islands we saw right. I think Buck Island uh, they had a weather flow station there which is near St. Croix mm-hmm. wind gusts over 110 miles per hour. And uh, there's some damage, no doubt about that. Mm -hmm. So Category 1 winds very likely moved through some of the Virgin Islands yesterday at about early in the morning. By the way, this is, we're talking our Thursday early afternoon update. So we know things are going to change going forward. I just wanted to give everybody the heads up where we are and uh, take it uh, with that Thursday afternoon uh, mode in mind. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of talking about that, that, you know, this, this forecast will change even as we're speaking now, things are changing. You know, we're going to continue to try to update this. But, you know, as you you know, people are hopefully watching on the Weather Channel on the air, you know, which you have been doing all this uh, all morning. Like, tell me kind of what your thinking is on it right now, because we've seen a lot of structural changes from last night into this morning. We've seen a lot of changes in the intensity guidance. We've got the Hurricane Hunter aircraft in there. So kind of like what has it been like for you this morning, things that you're seeing as you've been covering it on the air? So we've been watching a fairly steady state condition for Hurricane Dorian. In other words, it continues to move. Um, over the Western Atlantic, away from 
Puerto Rico and not strengthening quickly as of right now. The hurricane hunters, as you mentioned, were in there all morning long. I was watching their data feed and they were basically sampling winds of around 85 miles per hour all morning long. Mm -hmm. Nothing much stronger than that, nothing much weaker than that. And the pressure is somewhere steady around 987, 908 millibars. And so I imagine that this is going to be the case going forward today for the few more hours uh, left in the afternoon and probably overnight tonight. I think significant strengthening will occur once an upper level low that is very close to it right mm-hmm. now moves away from it. I think it's just a bit too close. It's imparting some wind shear. It's sending some dry air into the core. And as you right. mentioned, there were other things going on as well because there's a sort of a, an eyewall replacement cycle yes. maybe even ongoing as we speak. Yes. Um, and, you know, and, and talking about the dry air too, it seemed like that was, you know, something that it might have struggled with earlier on in its life cycle as it was coming into Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands with that dry air kind of encompassing that. Which dry air has kind of been somewhat of a limiting factor this entire season. The but, entire season yeah. and, and for most of Dorian's life so far. Exactly. And somehow it's managed to fend that off and it continues to do so. But now it's going to continue to find itself in a more favorable environment in regards to moisture. So that should hopefully, well, not hopefully, but at least for the storm's sake, you know, that will allow it to kind of intensify. But that's serious problems for us because moving forward, you get an organized hurricane that's got, it's losing things that are affecting it negatively. And mm-hmm. then as it moves forward, there's not really much in the way for strengthening. So you know, we talk about rapid intensification and how significant that can be. I mean, there. let's say that that takes place, uh, you know, now, you know, and this storm as it undergoes continual eyewall replacement cycles possibly could grow larger each time. So it's got a lot of time to do a lot of bad things as it's getting closer to the U.S. Yeah, unfortunately, I think the atmosphere, you're right, will open up that window. And I think the window of opportunity will really begin to show itself when the Dorian begins that left or westward turn. At that moment or in that sort of time period, we know that that upper level low will be far enough away and it will not be so much influenced by Mm -hmm. it anymore. And as you mentioned, the continual sort of internal rearrangement will allow Dorian to strengthen pretty quickly. And then, of course, the oceanic conditions underneath are suited well for intensification. The water's plenty warm. It's capable of supporting a major hurricane. That will be the case all the way up till landfall. So there's nothing in the way oceanically that we can see. And then the atmosphere is only, I think, going to improve in its hospitability. That's a yeah. good word for that. It's going to become more hospitable. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah, I know. I was like, well, how do we do that? Um, and the question is now then, everybody wants to know, and I'm getting a lot of questions both on air and over Twitter, mm-hmm. asking for like precise sort of zones as to where Dorian is going to make landfall. And right. we're talking from Thursday afternoon. When is it or where is it going to make landfall? I'll tell you what, right now. The precision is just not there. Right. We don't know whether central or southern Florida is more likely to get it than the other. Yeah. And if someone's telling you a city right now, don't listen to them because, you know, no one can tell you a city right now. It's even somewhat difficult, you know, with the change in some of the model tracks. I mean, it... it Let's, while we're talking about the models, let's maybe get into the ridge, right? Because it's mm-hmm. all this strength in the placement of this ridge that's off the east coast that could end up driving uh, Dorian more directly into the east coast of Florida, or maybe it's a little bit weaker and off to the east and allows a little bit more of a northward curve. But the question is, when does that happen? Mm-hmm. And anyone from, honestly, South Florida to the Carolinas really aren't out of play yet. 
Right. And I said that this morning. I thought that if you're just because you're outside of the cone right now doesn't uh, get you off the hook Mm -hmm. because there are still viable scenarios that carry Dorian and it's danger Mm -hmm. um, outside of the cone, including Georgia, including South Carolina and even North Carolina as well. But you're talking about that ridge. and That's an important feature to watch and its development over the next couple of days and early in the weekend when it too begins to bend Dorian's track to the west because the ridge will allow the wind shear overall to weaken aloft because the storm itself is going to be moving west. The winds aloft will be moving west. There's not a lot of storm relative motion there, so the wind shear will back off a little bit. And uh, unfortunately, we will be set up for intensification probably all the way to the coast. Right. And that's something that the National Hurricane Center's forecast has really picked up on with that increase in the intensity guidance for much of the models. uh, Now Cat 4. Yeah. Now we're talking low in Cat 4, high in Cat 3 time um, area. And, you know, when you think about some of these East Coast areas along along Florida's East Coast, how susceptible some of those areas are to surge, like Daytona Beach, for example. My family and I frequented that location for years, and we've been there in the last two years. And the visible effects of areas like along A1A near Flagler Beach are still there from all the erosion that took place from Hurricane Matthew, which (laughs) largely stayed offshore, but, you know, 90 mile per hour winds roughly uh, measured on some parts of the coast. So we still had just um, amazing impacts in some of these areas from onshore flow and erosion. So even if your landfall is north or south of that point, anywhere you're getting onshore flow has a potential for surge. And that's not even counting the rainfall and the wind that are all going to be factors here. Yeah. I mean, we are going to be dealing with all of the hazards that accompanying a landfalling major hurricane. We're going to have, as you said, lots of flooding um, from the ocean, storm surge, heavy inland flooding from mm-hmm. heavy rain because it will probably be slowing down as well. Right. And we will also have the dangerous and destructive winds that come with that. Right now, Dorian is a small storm. As of Thursday afternoon, the wind field is pretty small. The hurricane mm-hmm. force winds, I think, extend outward only about 15 miles. Right. But we think, as you mentioned earlier, it's probably going to get bigger. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there, we're going to have a whole mess on our hands. Unfortunately, it's going to pose a significant risk to life and property. Now, let's talk about where we think it might go and what are some of the options. Because I know everybody, I'm getting sure. so many questions on, you know, I live in Key West. Am I okay? Yeah. Well, you know. Even in the Gulf Coast, we, right. I mean, last night on the show, we had people asking about Sanford, Florida, you know, the uh, Alabama coast. So a lot of people are really concerned with this, especially people in the Panhandle who, back in October, were severely impacted by Michael. They're looking at this too. Yeah, and and you know, generally speaking, I think the weaker the storm is as it closes in on the coast from the Atlantic, the more likely it is to go farther west. Looking at some of Mm -hmm. the data, the weaker solutions carry it westward across Florida and get it into the Gulf. I think that's becoming less and less likely because Dorian is already exhibiting a strengthening trend or will soon, and it is now very likely to be a major again. I think those kinds of snares are less likely today, Thursday, than they were yesterday, Wednesday. But Mm -hmm. that also opens up the door for areas farther to the north. So, you know, if you live in... Daytona Beach, if you live in Jacksonville, Amelia Island, anywhere up and down the Florida and uh, excuse me, the Georgia coast, Mm -hmm. Savannah, right? You're right. All the way to, to Charleston. Keep an eye on Dorian because still some significant, a little bit of a change in the track will have such significant 
right. changes in your impacts. Mm-hmm. So be very careful of, of going forward and, and be mindful of the forecast changes. Right. And I know a local emergency officials, they are going, they are looking at this storm. And I mean, I know, like I say, we, we went to bed with one storm uh, Monday evening, Tuesday evening, and then Wednesday morning, you wake up and it's a little bit of a different story. So now emergency managers are kind of, you know, that now is when they're starting to get things rolling. So, you know, be on the lookout for them, officials there when um, evacuation orders, that kind of thing, or shelters opening. And, you know, we already know people are, are prepared. We've heard about uh, water selling out in a couple of locations um, as, as people are concerned about this. So, gas lines are long now. Yeah. So, so it's, you got to prepare. Right, right. Have, you know, fill up your gas now mm-hmm. as early as possible yeah. and be prepared to evacuate because, you know, once those orders are issued, mm-hmm. there will be a lot of people likely on the roads at the same time. Right. And I think after a lot of people were impacted by Irma, we saw impacts across the entire state, mm-hmm. even though it, you know, it made, we thought it was going to be an East Coast landfall, then a little southward jog, and then the turn north, and then ends up being a West Coast landfall, but the entire state was still impacted by this. And, you know, we could still see the same scenario where much of the state or Florida or even Georgia, South Carolina, part of those areas um, can still be affected by this storm. So we definitely don't want to um, turn our eyes on that. And also, um, let's talk about the timing of this, because, you know, we've seen the last two or three days, um, every time we look at the four or five day forecast in the cone, we've seen, OK, Sunday night. Oh, no, now it's Monday. Okay, well, now it's Tuesday. So it seems like the storm is slowing down in the longer term. So now we're talking about lingering impacts like rainfall and onshore flow, so coastal erosion. Damaging winds. Yes, damaging winds, all of those factors. And, I mean, let's talk about that. Like, because even Miami now, they're worried about storms even before Dorian even gets there that could also add to rainfall potential before Dorian's rain even affects the coast. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, I know, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, I, I the trend, you're right, exactly. The trend is to slow Dorian down from prior forecasts. Mm-hmm. So now it does appear to come, it appears to arrive a little bit later and linger a little bit longer. And that lingering is a real problem because imagine this, imagine Dorian coming in from the Atlantic at major hurricane strength. Let's just say central Florida, because for right now that appears maybe the most likely location, mm-hmm. but again, other locations are not off the table. Please keep that in mind. But let's say you have the, the hurricane moving in from the Atlantic. What's probably going to happen is that as it slows down, that is a manifestation of its turn toward the north. Mm-hmm. So that brings in many other players and, and sorry, many other locations mm-hmm. to the effects, the no, damaging effects of Dorian. And that imagine that turn going northward across Florida mm-hmm. and into Georgia and then even into the Carolinas. We're going to be dealing with this storm for a long time, not just at landfall. This is not just going to be a landfall problem hit right. and then it's gone. Mm-hmm. This is going to remain with us probably for a while, carrying with it its dangerous impacts well inland and northward from where it initially makes landfall. Right. And, you know, we've seen over Florida, there are some areas of Florida that are running well above average in regard to rainfall. Uh, you know, they've kind of had a stormy year. So when Dorian brings, you know, potentially eight to 12 inches of rainfall for some locations and depending on the thing is it depends on what model you look at as well you've got the gfs and the euro that have a range of solutions but wherever that core goes across you know we're seeing significant rainfall totals and even beyond that you know we talk about how large the storm is and expands outside the cone so while we want people to focus on the track where it's going and making landfall because as a cat three possibly four that's significant but impacts outside the cone which could be far-reaching 
<laughs> yeah, I think you're exactly right. And there is a tendency to look at the track and think if you're not anywhere near that track, say you're 50 miles away from it, you're you're going to come away scot-free. That's not mm-hmm. the case. I mean, we know the hurricane impacts extend far and wide, and that is going to be the case with Dorian. Again, it does really look like a major hurricane landfall for the southeastern mainland United States mm-hmm. late in the weekend, early next week. And that brings all the hazards in play. I'm just sort of recapping it here because we don't have much time left, but damaging, destructive winds, dangerous winds. And we've got the storm surge. We've got the freshwater Mm -hmm. flooding from heavy rainfall for a prolonged period, not a few hours, perhaps a few days. And just pay attention to the latest forecast because we know they've changed in recent days and they're going to continue to do that probably right up until landfall. Yeah. yeah. So have a plan ready all mm-hmm. the way from Key West through Cape Hatteras. That's and, my that's And treat my, this storm like it's a, a single storm. Don't rely on old experiences and say, oh, well, they said it was going to be this and it wasn't that bad. Every storm is different, but you need to prepare for every storm like it's the storm that's going to impact you just to be safe. Exactly. Well, that's good advice. All right. Well, so that's the Weather Geeks podcast, the special edition of Hurricane (laughs) Dorian. I'm Dr. Greg Postel, hurricane expert here at the Weather Channel. I'm with meteorologist Sarah Dillingham, and we'll be doing this again, hopefully real soon, and keep you updated on all the latest. Yeah, and be sure to uh, tune into the Weather Channel on the air as we're going to be taking you all the way through this storm the next few days. There you go.